You may be seated. Thank you, worship team and choir. Good morning. How are you guys this morning? Good. Well, my name is Mike Geke. I'm one of the pastors here at First SF, and it's, uh, as always, just a privilege and a joy to be with you guys this morning. Hope you guys had a good 4th of July. Uh, the weekend seemed to have continued, 4th of July continued on through the weekend. The city's been nice and quiet this weekend. It's, it's always fun to be here when everyone else is gone. <laughs> Today, we are continuing on in our study through the book of Genesis. We're jumping ahead a few chapters from last week's story um, in chapter 25 of, of the story of Esau and Jacob, and we're moving on today to a really interesting story, and I think a story that is amazingly descriptive of our personal individual lives with God. We are going to be in chapter 32 if you want to turn there. Genesis is the first book in the Bible. We're looking for the big numbers, uh, number 32, and this is the story of Jacob wrestling with God. And I wonder today, as I was preparing this week, I wonder how many of you at this moment, as you sit in this room, feel that you are in some way wrestling with God. I think sometimes we don't think about it that way necessarily, and that can look, uh, look like so many different things for, for everybody and, and individuals, no matter where they are. It might look for you like you are asking God why something happened or why something is happening, or maybe it's why something didn't happen. Maybe this morning you are wrestling with God because you are angry with God. Maybe this morning you are stuck in confusion, or maybe you are fearful or anxious about something. Maybe you are unsure about a decision that you are facing. Maybe you are struggling with temptation. Maybe you are struggling with the, the consequences of falling into sin. Or maybe you're just seeking a fresh vision from God. Or maybe um, a, a renewed or new passion for God. Maybe you're questioning whether you believe in God at all. Maybe you're not really questioning whether you believe in God, but maybe you are unsure if you're willing to surrender your life to God. Wrestling with God can take so many different forms, and, and wrestling with God can happen before or after you enter into relationship with God. But almost always, when we wrestle with God, it includes this sort of desperation that we have for a resolution that will bring us peace, because wrestling always involves some sort of conflict view in this room. And I would guess that that might describe many of you in this room today. And I believe that today's story is full of encouragement for you. I, I really do. I think it's such an encouraging story, but I also believe that it means that you might leave here with a limp today. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word God, we do, as we just sang, God, today we come to you and we boast only in you. God, it is my great desire, as always, that everything we do in this place would make much of you, that everything we do would point to you. God, that there would be something different, um, that you can feel it on the street, that what's happening today is not about us, that it is about you. God, I'm grateful that there's not one person in this room who's here by chance. And I pray, God, that each person who you brought into this place, which is everyone here, 
God, I pray that you would soften hearts this morning to hear what you would have us to hear from your word. We pray today that what happens in this place would be pleasing to you. We love you and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let me give you, before we read today's text, let me give you just a little background between what happened that we talked about last week, Jacob and Esau, um, and, and what's, what we're about to read about today in chapter 32. So if you remember from last week, if you didn't, weren't here last week, I encourage you to listen to that, but um, Jacob and Esau were not exactly buddies. There was that unfortunate cheating out of a birthright incident where Jacob stole Esau's birthright. In fact, it says blunt, very bluntly in Genesis 27, 41, that Esau hated Jacob and he planned to kill him. So Jacob finds out about this plot against his life and he ultimately goes into hiding and he goes to this place called Padan Aram where he stays for about 20 years and he builds this little tribe almost of, of a few wives and lots of kids and lots of servants and, and he builds a life for him there. He's there for, like I said, almost 20 years. And then we get to chapter 32. And when we get to chapter 32, Jacob has heard from the Lord that he is to return home to Canaan and he is en route following what God said, but he is scared to death because he has heard that Esau is coming to meet him. And it says in Genesis 32, 6, that Esau is bringing 400 men with him. And Jacob is certain that Esau is about to exact revenge on him for stealing his birthright and for getting the blessing of their father, Isaac. So God told Jacob to go. God specifically told Jacob that he would be with him, but Jacob is still incredibly fearful. It says in, in chapter 32, verse 7, that Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And if you read the first part of chapter 32, it, it almost as if Jacob has gone into this sort of panic mode. He is concocting all of these detailed plans to, to basically... Um, escape with his life and minimize the damage or minimize the carnage that he is sure Esau is, is about to exact on them. He divides his group into two different camps, thinking if one is attacked, maybe at least the other one will be able to escape. He's frantically reminding God, don't forget, God, you promised to protect me. But even while he's reminding God, and he should be in that reminding himself of God's promises, he still works to protect himself. He prepares a series of peace offerings of sorts to give Esau, hoping maybe he can buy peace from Esau. Then he spends a sleepless night in the camp. And that's where we are, starting in verse 22 of chapter 32 of Genesis. Let's read this together. It should be on the screen. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. 
Their God blessed Jacob. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. So this is an interesting, odd story. I think I say that every time I teach anything out of the book of Genesis. An interesting, odd story. But if you were here last week, we learned that Jacob was a little bit of a mama's boy compared to his hunter-gatherer brother Esau. We see just prior to this, if you read the first part of chapter 32, we see this sort of manic description of Jacob's fear of his brother Esau. And then he sends his, brother, his, he sends his family across the Jabbok, and then he was left alone, and he finds himself wrestling with a man who turns out to be God all night long. Jacob fights. He wrestles with God, and in that fight, he fights his fear. He is such a tenacious wrestler that God puts his hip out of joint. And then after a night of wrestling, Jacob has apparently realized he is wrestling with God, even though later he seems to maybe want to confirm that since he asked God his name. But he believes he is wrestling with God. He's realized that, and he demands a blessing of God. And God blesses him. He changes his name. And when he changes his name, he also changes his identity and he changes his destiny. Jacob arises from this wrestling match and he realizes that he has had an encounter with God. And God, who could have crushed him, he realizes at any time, has spared him. And thereafter, it says that Jacob, who's now Israel, walked with a limp. I think there is so much for us in this story because it is our absolute reality that we too will wrestle with God. But there is great hope that comes from that wrestle. This morning, I wanna highlight a few things in this story. So as I'm reading this, I'm personally reflecting on a year of really intense personal wrestling. And there's so much in this story that as I look back and as I look ahead, I, I, I'm I'm hopeful in, and I pray that these things would bring hope to you too, because I know that many of you are sitting in here wrestling with God over various things in your life. Or maybe you're in this room and you have come out of a season of wrestling and you're wondering what in the world was that for? And I I believe that God's word has great insight for us today. The first thing is this, wrestling is a privilege I think we forget this sometimes. I think we can become so familiar with God or we can, we can have an, an air of entitlement towards God that we forget that God is the beginning and the end of everything. We forget that he is the creator of everything and he is the creator of us and we in that picture are simply the created And as the created, it means that he could simply destroy us. He could simply annihilate us. He could simply dismiss us. He could crush us. But just like he did with Jacob, he initiates wrestling matches with us. He welcomes our engagement with him. No matter how silly, no matter how foolish, no matter how selfish we may be, He welcomed Jacob's fear on this particular night. He knew that Jacob needed to wrestle through it 
in order to overcome it. And when it was over, Jacob knew that he had been delivered, not destroyed, as was God's perfect right. So if you are wrestling with God today, remember that you are actually wrestling with God and he will not crush you. There is a purpose in the wrestle, absolutely, but there is a privilege in the wrestle too. The second thing I see saw in this passage is that we prevail when we engage the struggle, when we engage the wrestle. It's interesting, in verse 25, it says that when, when God saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he put Jacob's hip out of joint. So clearly this does not mean that Jacob was winning. Even Jacob sees this, as we just mentioned. He knows that, that God spared his life in this, in this event. I think what this means is that Jacob did not run from the struggle. We know that Jacob is a fearful guy. We know from last week's passage that his predisposition is to just stay in the tent with his mother and avoid danger and avoid adventure, but he does not do that here. He stays in the fight. And not only that, he puts up a good fight. Sometimes for us, I believe, and I'm sure this was at some level a temptation for Jacob, it is tempting for us to just walk or run away from God to just throw in the towel, to slam our journals shut, to slam our Bible shut, and to say, I am done with you, God. I've been tempted to do that many times. Or I think sometimes uh, we think that God doesn't want to deal with our frustration, or we think that somehow it's not Christian to struggle in our relationship with God, so we just shove it and stuff it deep inside of us, and we never deal with it. But that shuts the door, the daily manifest for us in the wrestle. It shuts the door to the daily manifestation of his grace in our lives. David opened our time of worship with Hebrews 4.16 where it says, God understands our struggles and in our struggles he wants us to approach his throne of grace with confidence. He doesn't want us to run away and stay away and get out of his face and deal with our stuff on our own. He says, approach my throne of grace with confidence. Approach him confidently. What does it mean for us to engage in the wrestle? It means that no matter what we are feeling, we don't quit spending time in his word, seeking him through his word. It means that no matter how hard it is for us, we continue to pray and to connect with him in prayer. It means that even when we don't wanna hear what anyone else has to say, We engage our Christian community for wisdom and for counsel. That is what it means to prevail, to refuse to run away. Prevailing doesn't mean that we get what we want. It doesn't mean that we win. But prevailing always means that we get God, and it means that we grow, and it means that we are changed. That takes us to the next thing. Wrestling with God often challenges our natural predispositions, I think this is proven so true for me. I don't know that this always happens when we wrestle with God, but I do believe it is often the case because when our natural predispositions are challenged, we are forced to rely on God. Look at Jacob here. So here, the mama's boy ends up in a physical squirmish with God. The thinker, the manipulator, 
I mean, if you look at the story from last week, you see it, this elaborate plan to, to steal uh, the, the birthright from Esau. If you read the beginning of chapter 32, um, right here, you see this great picture of how this guy's mind work. This guy, whose go-to in scary situations is strategy, not physicality, was forced to get physical. I think the reason we wrestle so often is because God is challenging our natural predispositions. If we like things just as they are, we often wrestle with God when things change. If we love change, we wrestle with God in the seeming monotony of the mundane of life. If we like calm and being in control, we wrestle with God when things seem crazy or chaotic or unsure. If we love chaos and busyness and adventure, we wrestle with God when we are bored or our lives just seem too ordered. If you love risk and God calls you to do something risky, there's no internal wrestling. If you hate change and God never moves you and you live in the same house you've always lived in your whole life and nothing changes, there is no internal wrestling. You don't really need God in those situations. You may attribute the risk you take, if you're a risky person, you may attribute the risk you take or the stability you foster if you're a change-averse person. You may attribute those things to acts of faith. Look how big this risk I, a risk taker, was willing to take. Or look how willing I am just to stay the course right here if you don't like change. But in reality, those things are probably not so much about faith as they are about your personality. But God is not in the business of crafting lies for us that we could simply live on our own. He is in the business of creating people in his likeness who live by the power of the Spirit and who both reflect his glory in their dependence on him, but also who experience their fullest joy as they reflect his glory in their dependence on him. Remember, it says in Hebrews 12, one of my favorite passages, that God is in the process as our perfect heavenly father of training us, of disciplining us for, his, for our good so that we can share in his holiness so that our lives will bear the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And Hebrews 12 reminds us that that training and that discipline and all discipline and all training, and we can put in there all wrestling, all of it is painful for the moment. Without any pain or struggle, we simply will not grow. John 15 is a great passage about pruning, and it says without pruning, and, and think about that pruning, without painful and intentional cuts here and there, it says, without pruning, we will not bear more and better fruit. Wrestling is not easy. It often involves both discipline, think about that in the terms of really hardcore exercise, and wrestling often involves pruning, painful cuts, long winters. And it is in the battle that God creates us to be all that he has called and designed and gifted us to be. Wrestling will challenge what comes naturally to us. And that is vital for the next observation from this section. Wrestling with God forges and strengthens 
our relationship with him. Something happened in Jacob after this encounter with God. God gives him a new name, for sure. He gives him the new name Israel, but something deeper than just his name happens here. There is a change in his identity. He sees who he is in a different way because as he says, he has come face to face with God and he has been delivered. And I think the same is absolutely true for us. We have to come face to face with God at some point in our lives to really know him. I think we can know him at a very shallow level by just understanding who he is. I think we can know him at a very surface level um, on the day that we meet him. For, for some of us, that saving faith, that, that moment of entering relationship comes very easy for us. That was me as a kid. I, I, was, I was bent to need Jesus. I, I was drawn to him at a very early age. It was not hard for me to surrender my life to him. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that I needed a savior. I wanted relationship with him. But for people like me, where it's easy to enter that relationship, we have to be careful because we may never grow deeper in the relationship if we think that the relationship is done at that moment. Other people struggle just with that first step of saving faith. I remember and think about one of our kids from our first kids ministry uh, who was baptized this year. She wrestled with God for years. As a young child, it wasn't so much belief, she wrestled with surrendering her life to him. And when she finally did, she, she entered that relationship with God at a very a deep place of understanding who he was. And I guarantee you that young girl will wrestle again. I have no doubt. And as she does wrestle again, God will become more and more real for her. And that is true for all of us. Ultimately, my own relationship with God was strengthened most when I went through a very hard season of great anger at God. And I remember my counselor at the time telling me, God can handle your anger. You need to talk with him about it. And the reality that expressing and dealing with my anger towards God in being real relationship with him was life-changing for me. In being real with God, I saw both my smallness and I saw his majesty. I saw my limited perspective, but I saw his full character of grace and love and trustworthiness. Whether you are wrestling with God today about whether you can even trust him at all, or maybe you are wrestling with him after a lifetime of relationship with him. The wrestle will help you know him beyond the surface. I think about uh, the story of Job, and I think this is a lot like it was for Job. It's a fascinating, if you haven't ever read the book of Job, a fascinating book in the Bible. It is a story of a man who had everything he could ever want, and he was a faithful servant of God, and because of his faithfulness, Satan asked God, Satan says, can I mess with your servant Job? And God gives Satan permission. And in that, Job loses everything. And it is a heartbreaking book to read. And over and over in that book, Job wrestles, and he wrestles with God. And I think many of us can identify with Job, although few of us will ever face loss like Job faced. And as Job comes to the end of this wrestling match with God, he goes to God in confession and repentance, and he says these powerful words. This is Job, Job 42.5. 
He says, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. I know many in this room can say the same thing. It was in the struggle that we truly saw God. It was in the wrestling through the difficult things of life that we saw God. I can look back on many things in my life that I prayed for years that I wanted God to simply take away. But on this side of wrestling with God over those struggles, I can be grateful at the way those things, which God did not take away, were the very conduit for the relationship that I have with him today. I prayed over and over again. But then as I prayed, I I was also reading and seeking God in his word. And I read like it was the first time ever, 2 Corinthians 12, where Paul talks about his struggle with his thorn. And it says he prayed three times for God to take that thorn away. And God didn't take it away. But Paul discovered something as God spoke to him. I believe Jacob discovered this as he wrestled with God. I believe we will discover it when we wrestle with God. God told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And as I wrestled with God over those things that I wanted him to remove, that he chose not to remove, I knew that as I wrestled with him, that I would see and experience his power in a fresh way. I had heard of him before, but it was through wrestling with God that I actually came to know him. We see him in the wrestle, and wrestle after wrestle, we know him more intimately, and that is a magnificent thing. Finally, this morning, wrestling with God often, it often leaves a mark. In our story today, God puts Jacob Jacob's hip out of joint as they wrestled. And it says that after that, Jacob limped as a result. And I think it is often the case that we don't walk away from wrestling with God without something to remind us of the fact that we too saw God face to face and that he also delivered us. Our lives often bear scars. And sometimes I think we spend a lot of time lamenting that reality because we wish that our lives looked or were as neat and clean as other people's lives seem to look. But it is the marks, it is the parts of us that are slightly out of joint that serve two very important purposes. The first one is this, they remind us of our encounter with Jesus. They show us where we were, which often reveals to us the blessing of where we now are. I saw a quote one time from a very handsome man whose face had been horribly disfigured in a fire. And someone asked him how he came to grips with his new face. And he said this, my face reminds me that I am alive. And that reminds me that my life was spared. And that reminds me that my life has purpose today. I know I struggled for a long time with guilt and shame over a very sinful sinful season of my life until I began to see that the memories of my sin were actually a great, great way to remember the grace that I received and the grace that saved me. I can dwell on my failures of today, I can dwell on the scars that remain, or I can dwell on the fact that God has not crushed me. And I can see those scars as trophies of his grace. Our scars remind us of our encounter with Jesus. 
The second thing they do is they offer us opportunities to tell others about our encounter with Jesus. If we just try to hide our limp or to cover our scars, they will never achieve this purpose. We often hide our pasts, but the darkness of our past is very often the thing that makes the grace that saved us that much more visible. We shouldn't hide our scars or our limps. We should celebrate them. Imagine Jacob's buddy after Jacob walked away from this. Hey, Jacob, I never noticed that limp before. What happened? And then Jacob says, well, actually, it's Israel. And let me tell you how I got this limp. The beauty of our testimonies is that no one can ever take those things away from us. And I don't know what your limp or your scar is. It may be limps or scars that come out of some abuse from your past. It may be a scar or a limp that comes out of some failure of yours or sin, or maybe it's shame. Or maybe it's just hurt or broken relationships, but your limp reminds you that you were not destroyed and that you have purpose as you sit in this place today. We may walk away from wrestling with God with a mark, but it is not a mark of shame. It is a mark of grace. And marks of grace should always be celebrated. As I close this morning, I just want to remind us, all of us, we can't forget that Jesus wrestled with God too. When he went to the cross, he asked God three times if there was any other way But each time he acknowledged the trustworthiness of God's will and he acknowledged his commitment to follow it wherever and whatever it took. And Jesus did. And because Jesus willingly went to the cross and lost everything, we have the privilege of wrestling with God to ultimately gain everything. This is what I know as I stand here this morning. The moment we enter relationship with God through Christ, we are in a secure relationship where we are promised to never be crushed and where God desires us to know him more and more and where no matter how deeply we wrestle, he promises to change us. He promises to make us trophies of his grace. He promises to bless us. It is not the promise of an, of an easy life. It is the promise of a blessed life. Is able to, where we walk with God and where, just like Jacob was able to say after his identity was transformed, I'm able to say that God is the God of me. God is the God of Ryan. God is the God of Peter. God is the God of each and every one of you who know him today. And if you are wrestling with him this morning about even entering relationship with him, remember, as Ryan talked about last week, God, the one you are wrestling with, he is the one who pursued you first. He wants to transform your life. Don't run away and give up the fight because you will miss the greatest blessings of your life. You will miss a secure, purposeful abundant, magnificent life with him here on earth, and you will miss a beyond imagination life with him in heaven for eternity.